0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ, together in community, by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. Good morning, Reach. My name is Mason Martin, and uh, it's my great privilege to... uh, This thing seems a little hot, but um, to bring you the word and to give you a little bit of my testimony this morning, um, thank you, uh, Senior Pastor Keith, for uh, the opportunity. He's senior. He just needs to grow out the beard. You'll see. So... um, I used to do this quite a bit. Um, it's been a minute since I've shared from the pulpit, so uh, bear with me. Um, I'm using the playbook a lot today, but um, I really believe that God has put this word on my heart. Um, just thinking about, you know, if, if I only had this one... I'm off. There I am. Okay. Um, what would you want me to share, Lord? And uh, about the same time that... Uh, I was going through the one-year Bible uh, a couple months back when Pastor Heath asked me to share. Uh, hit the scripture in Deuteronomy 30, 19, which specifically s- talks about choosing life. Um, so today, we're going to be in several places in scripture. Um, three main places are John chapter 3, Deuteronomy 30, and Joshua 24. And like I said, I, if you get to know me, you'll know that I'm heavy word um, and less of me, so um, hopefully you'll get that out of, out of today's lesson. Uh, but the, the main message today is that God wants us to choose life. And he wants us to choose life because he is the life giver. He is the one that has created life. He is the one that's given us the opportunity for life. But we have a part to play in that. He makes the way possible, but he wants us to choose life. So let me let me just say this statement real quick. It says, we that believe in Jesus believe in a living hope, a life-giving Savior that has brought us from death to life. If you're not sure where you're at with God today, then I pray that he would use his word and my testimony to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that he loves you, he is for you, and he wants you to choose life. So let me say that again, that he loves you. When's the last time you heard that God loves you? That is what broke me 23 years ago. It wasn't that I was going to hell. It wasn't that, um, you know, you know, because I had the same kind of thoughts, you know, oh well, I'll just be water skiing on the lake of fire with all my friends, you know. That that's not the reality. But the reality is is that it wasn't about hell that broke me. It's that God loves me, and. If anyone, if if you hear nothing else today, hear that, that God loves you. He is for you, and he wants you to choose life. So we all have a testimony. We all have a beginning. We all have a story, right? We'll call them God stories. Um, Some of us have been spared from the pit. That is a testimony. So when you hear my story today, don't go, oh, man, I wish I had a cool testimony like you or whatever, you know, we all have testimonies. They're all God stories. God has used us in different ways and taken us through different areas of life, but we all have a testimony. We all have a, um, a word that we can share to others about what God has done in our life, and this is just my story. So some of us have been spared from the pit. Some of us have been pulled from the pit. And just like we just sang in that second song, you know, He pulled us from the pit. I was singing those words and I was, I immediately teared up because I realized what God has has saved me from. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are still working on your testimony right now. And so, what I want to say is, wherever you're at with the Lord, whether you've been walking strong with the Lord for years, whether, uh, whether you just got saved a month ago, or maybe you're here today and you don't even know why you're here, or maybe you're listening, um, online and, uh, you know you're far from God, I pray today this word would speak to you. And, uh, not that we encourage social media, cause we don't, but, and, and I'll tell you what, Considering the stuff that's on social media nowadays, it's like there's so much trash on there, I would say stay away. However, once in a while you see stuff on there that um, that's really cool. And I saw this pop up in somebody's feed. I don't know even who did it, but I screenshot it, printed it out here. But um, I wanted you to, to hear this. It says, my story is filled with broken pieces, terrible choices, and ugly truths. It's also filled with a major comeback, peace in my soul, and a grace that saved my life. And I pray that uh, many of you can can relate with that because uh, that's what our God does, right? He takes our broken pieces. He takes our ugly ugly truths, our bad choices, and he does something amazing with them. So a little about me. Okay, so I'm 52 years old. That's a miracle in itself because I never thought I was going to make it out of my 20s. Um, I'm blessed to be married to the beautiful, gifted, and Charlotte, <laughs> gifted, <laughs> Charlotte Martin. Um, I've been blessed with, uh, two amazing children. Anthony, who most of you guys know over there. Hey. hey, Anthony. And, uh, Vanessa, my daughter that's almost 29 years old. And, uh, blessed to be adopted, um, by my mom, Nancy Martin, and my dad, Lefty Martin, who went home to be with the Lord, uh, more than 10 years ago now. But um, that was way back in 1971 where it all began. So I was born in San Diego, California, grew up in Southern California, so you can say I'm from the South. Um, Encinitas, to be exact. So it's a small surfing community. Um, It was kind of a small town feel when I grew up. Um, So we were known for surfing, we were known for for flowers, and we were known for um, partying and weird spiritual stuff that went on in that area. Um what I'll say about my childhood, so my parents were hard working and hard drinking. Right? Yeah? Okay. Okay. That was that was our life. Sunday was just another potential work day in my dad's eyes and church wasn't on the list of to dos. Um I grew up with kids like me, blue collar families, most of the parents drank, which means all of us kids drank too. Um we were just surrounded by that kind of lifestyle. Um, the drug culture was heavily present in those days amongst my peers um, growing up in that in that area. Um, the Jesus Revolution, which you guys just saw the movie come out not too long ago, so that whole Jesus people movement and everything that was still going on in those days, um, but we were completely oblivious to it. So we had churches popping up, there was all kinds of stuff going on all around us, and we just were not part of that. My parents got sober when I was 11 to 12 years of age, and I didn't. My par- uh, the party life was my life, and it was the same thing with all my friends, especially my best friend, Mike, who's, uh Anthony's middle name is named after. He was like a brother to me. We all have a beginning. We don't, cho- we don't choose where we're born or what family we're born into. But not so long into our stories, then we start making choices in life. And not all of our choices are good choices, are they? Um, And that's the problem. It lies in our choices. We don't always make choices for life, or what I'd say good, but of death or of evil, because we don't align our will to God's. Pastor Greg Laurie, um, the Jesus Revolution movie, had a big part of his story in there. He says, God's plans for you are better than any plans you have for yourself, So don't be afraid of God's will, even if it's different from yours. The amazing thing to me is that God has always had life in mind for you and me. His choice for you and me is life. To clearly state it, God wants us to choose life because that is what he has chosen for us. Life now and life eternal. And nowhere in scripture do we see this more clearly displayed than in John chapter 3. But before we turn there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that you are the life giver. You are our Savior. You are the one that, that is life. And God, I pray for anyone that's here today, God, that doesn't know you or in a place where they feel that they're far from you or they don't even. This is, this is the first time they've thought about you in a long time, God. I pray that today that you would show them life again life in you, life now, life eternal. And Lord, that you would speak through me, help me to get out of the way, God, that your spirit would speak, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So in John chapter 3, everybody's familiar with this scripture, or you should be, um, starting in verse 16. And what I want to say before we start jumping into all these scriptures is that when Keith asked me a couple months ago to share these. It's it's always interesting to me as the Holy Spirit moves in the commonality of the messages because he actually covered John 3 in pretty good detail um, about three weeks ago. And then some of the other scriptures that we're going to touch on he ended up just doing in the last couple of weeks. And it's amazing to me because that means the Holy Spirit wants us to get it. And there's a reason why we repeat these scriptures over and over again, because there's a commonality in the message. God wants us to get this. He wants us to understand this. So John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting what? All right, let's, say that. let's do that a little better. Okay. We're in F3 right now. Everlasting life. There we go. He wants us to have life. And John 3.17, he says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The main mission is not that God would want to destroy the world or condemn the world. The main mission is that he wants you to be saved. He wants you to have everlasting life. He wants you saved. He made the way through his sacrifice on the cross, and our response should be to choose life, or in Jesus' words, believe in him. These next verses show us the reality of what that looks like if we don't make that choice, though. So in verse 18, he says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Ouch. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So here's the truth for you. We are all born into sin. But when this gospel or good news message is shared, we have the opportunity to turn to God. Why then doesn't everyone choose life? Because men and women love the darkness rather than the light. They're practicing evil, and for a good portion of my life, I was doing the same thing. And let's be honest, sin can be fun, but it will cost you everything, won't it? So check out this other quote from Greg Laurie. This one, like, it'll hit you right between the eyes. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Let me say that again. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. And finishing up in verse 21 here, it says, But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Bottom line is that's God's heart. He wants you to come to the light. He wants you to come to him. He is the light. He is the life. He is the one that has made the way of escape for us. We simply need to choose him. So when we're done playing games in life, living for ourselves, and the next thing to satisfy us, and there's always something more to satisfy us, right? The next new thing, the next new hobby. I mean, I love F3. It's awesome. In fact, how many, how many of my F3 brothers are in here right now? Let's see those hands. Look at it. There we go. As great as F3 is, it's nothing compared to Jesus, right? And it should never get in the way of, of our relationship with him. But we always find one more thing to satisfy us, right? And there's there's nothing wrong with f three okay let's just get that out of the way, but bottom line is there's things in our life that are detrimental, aren't they? We put things in there that um that we're literally we're robbing ourselves we're ripping ourselves off because we're not allowing God to we're not allowing God in so back to my story here for a minute. so I can remember in the late seventies um early eighties I don't know if people that are that age or older, um, that, that remember this. If you turn on any football game, any sports games in those time frames, you would see some crazy weirdo dude with a afro, a rainbow afro uh, hairdo holding up a John 316 sign, right, at the games. Does anybody remember watching those games, seeing the guy, you know, I didn't even know what that meant. I remember seeing that because we didn't go to church. It wasn't. You know, again, in our wheelhouse, um, I was like, what is that? It wasn't until I was 15 years old, I got invited by some guys at my high school to go across the street to this uh, little chapel by the sea that used to be there. And they would do this free lunch for kids, um, you know, as an outreach type thing. And some of these guys I went to school with that liked to smoke, um, I guess, it's wacky tabacky. Um green stuff, you know, whatever you want to call it. They had the munchies, and so they are like, hey, let's uh, go across the street, and uh, we'll listen to this guy, or actually go get this free meal. But this guy's going to talk about Jesus, and when he starts talking about Jesus, just plug your ears, you know, so you don't have to listen to him." I go, oh, yeah, cool. You know, I'll just plug my ears. I couldn't plug my ears. It was the first time I heard John 3.16. It was the first time I heard these verses that I just shared with you, and it rocked me. Right? It just it completely rocked me. Um that one, I was a sinner. Um, two, that I had this savior that had done all this stuff for me, and I got fifteen years into my life and I how didn't I know this? Right? And bottom line is is <laughs> we need people to point us to Jesus, right? We need those we need those times where we where we have someone that's showing us um to choose life. And unbeknownst to me, these guys They were trying to get me there just to eat a meal. And uh, bottom line is, next thing I know, I was getting saved. So I raised my hand to receive Jesus and did the same thing for the next three Sundays at that church. And uh, then went back to making really bad choices again. And that was 1986. Um, Did I get saved then? I don't really know. I know I said a prayer several times. I know I was repentant. But no one followed up with me or showed me what I should do next, right? And that's also a, like a key thing. When you get saved or when you're in a, in a place where you're ready to accept Jesus, you need people around you that are going to help you to take the next steps. Thankfully, at 29, I would get another chance, and I would have somebody in my life then that would actually um, take me through. So I know from that time in 1986 when I prayed that prayer that God was truly trying to get a hold of me because there would be in the years to follow multiple instances where I can't explain it any other way than God's hand was upon me. He was choosing life for me even when I was making choices for death. Okay, Mason, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. Besides the friends I had going into high school who all dropped out on me, by the way. So I had nine friends that I used to surf and skate with and do other things with um, that I won't um, say. Um, they all dropped out, and I knew that wasn't an option for me because, you know, my parents were a little more older school than some of the other parents, and they weren't, you know, as um, lenient that way. I would have been killed if I dropped out of school, so that wasn't an option for me, so I stayed in, Got through high school, but at the end of my senior year when everybody else was making these choices to go to colleges and it, you know, it felt like they all, you know, were from these good, good families, they all had these options and all this stuff to go to whatever college they wanted to and everything else, I made the really great choice of joining a Mexican gang um, at the end of my senior year um, and basically uh, guys that I had grown up with and... Uh, No, I'm not Mexican. So that's what you guys were wondering. And it's like, um, you know, bottom line is, how is this white boy getting a Mexican gang? Well, I can't give you all the details about all that either or all the activities that gangs do. But what what I will say is they're all choices for death, right? You're not getting together and you're not doing community service and doing good things. And you're not out there picking up trash like Jim and, and doing all this fun stuff. Um no, you're you're doing bad things and you're basically being a an instrument for Satan. And um that's what I was for a long time. And uh making choices that will lead um to destruction and order the destruction of others. So God continued to try to get my attention with even my own near death experiences, including a time um while being shot at. Um I could feel bullets grazing my head and grazing my neck. And literally, it was like somebody was taking my head and moving my head out of the way of the bullets. And the car that I was in at the time, there was a cluster of, of rounds that were about the size of my head where I should, have been, I should have been killed. And it was like God was just taking my head and, uh, and doing this. Um, also, I can remember running from a situation at night and diving over a bush. Not realizing there was a large cliff on the other side of that bush. And, um, and actually having enough time to think, wow, this is it, you know, like, and, and to actually have that much time. And then I'm, and doing that math of the whole 32 feet, 32 feet per second type thing, you know, and I'm like, wow, it's been more than a second. I'm done. (laughs) Um, but I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I know it sounds unbelievable. And this is, you know, my story, not your story. I was there. I'm just telling you the head thing, the the hand on my shoulder thing. I don't know how to explain it any other way, but I know God was with me. I know also during that time, my mom was finally getting her life right with Christ. And she was praying for me. So during this whole time, she was like surrendering me to God doesn't know what to do with me, that kind of thing. And that woman right there was praying for me. So God intervened. And what was God? God was continuing to show me that at that time that he was definitely active in my life. He cared for me even when I didn't care about my life or anyone else's. And then he gave me a job. He ended up giving me a wife. He gave me kids, um, a house, and even an excuse to remove myself from the gang that I had been a part of. So wait, are you saying that God was blessing you in your disobedience? I don't know how to answer that. What I would tell you is that um, at that time I was self-made and everything I had I made happen. But what I would say is like the children of Israel, his heart was for me. He was trying to woo woo me back to him, even opening doors of opportunity that I didn't deserve. But this heart was hard as stone back then. But if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you know that God has a way of softening hard hearts, right? Um, and not always in a gentle way. So between 1993 and 94, I would end up losing six friends, including my best friend Mike, who, after living in the fast lane of life, took his life on Mother's Day in 1994. Others were from shootings drug overdoses, and one of my friends was killed in prison. God used these deaths to show me what would come for me if I continued down this path without him. And I would love to say I immediately fell on my face and was repentant, but that didn't happen for many more years. My heart was breaking, though, over all these losses, but it still wasn't my time. God was long-suffering with me as he's long-suffering with you. Like Peter mentions in his second epistle, Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And like the old joke goes, in the Greek, all means all. That's his desire. His desire is that all would come to repentance. His desire is that we would all choose life. So God was not done with me, and he's not done with you. Fast forward to 1998, 1999. So my ex-wife and I, we loved to party. We loved to drink. Um, and, in fact, Easter seemed to be the time that that would happen more than anything else. Um, our kids were little. They were at Calvary Chapel North Coast in Carlsbad, California, for their Easter morning service where we had been invited by my parents. And we're so hungover from the party and that we couldn't make it into the service, we made it as far as the parking lot um, it's just amazing to me how how um, something like partying or alcohol or whatever can just be this uh, this thing that the enemy uses to keep you from him, but he was good at that, and back then we bought bought it hook line and sinker so satan wouldn 't get this. Uh, this way back in Easter 2000, though, because that's when I went to the Calvary Chapel Vista Easter service. And after hearing the gospel so many years before in high school, I finally heard it again, how much God loved me. And at 29, I was finally fully broken, fully surrendered, and yet again, still not fully sober. Because, yes, I had gone out drinking the night before and was hungover. Um, And unfortunately, my wife at that time was still so hungover, she couldn't make it to the service. But I had my two little kids with me down front, surrendering our life to Jesus at that time. And here's an important quote that I want you to think about, regardless of where you're at. Because sometimes we think we got to clean ourselves up. I thought at that even back then. I was like, well, I, I can't go to church. I'm, I'm still hungover. You know, I'm, I can't go to church. I'm this or I'm that. You don't need to clean up your life to come to Christ. Come to Christ and he will clean up your life. So I had been invited by a coworker at the nuclear plant I worked at, and he was the first Christian I'd ever really met. His name was Gil Rhodes, and I'll be counted among his fruit in heaven one day. Our journey started four years prior, and God used my old surfing ability to help teach him to surf in our off work time, and he was teaching me about Jesus even without words. He'll constantly encourage me in the things of the Lord and even would get me the tapes or CDs from a service that I would miss. He would help me find scripture that would speak life into me, and he even gave me his Bible. God sent someone into my life that would help me to choose life, and God help us to be that for someone else, right? That's why we're still here. So even though I was saved now and things seemed to be just awesome, I can remember other friends and coworkers telling me all the things I was going to miss out on because I was a Christian now, right? And most of them had come from a Christian background. So I'm like, well, why are you telling me all this stuff? I mean, shouldn't you be encouraging me in the things of the Lord? But I remember thinking to myself, like, what? Like, I got to give up this? I got to give up that? And I didn't know God's opinion on most things. I didn't know what the Bible said. And I really didn't feel like I had much to give up because... For many years leading up to that, I thought I was a good person. You guys ever think that? Ever think, oh, I'm I'm good. You know, me and God are like, you know, we're like this. We're homies. Bottom line is, there's no one good but God. You know, and then as soon as you come to that realization, you realize that, you know what, God? Okay, here I am. What do you want to take out of my hands, right? I'm going to open my hands. You take them out. So one of the things for me... Um, and my past choices, and you've heard a little bit tied in there already, uh, was alcohol. And before I share this, I just want to throw this out there. I don't want anybody to feel condemned about this at all. Or This is my conviction. This is what God spoke to me. But I will also say, if this is an area that you've been struggling in, pray that God would speak to you now. So... The huge choice for me was alcohol, specifically beer. And this is what I actually said. I was like, God, you can have everything, but you're not taking my beer. And I actually said that to God. Isn't that stupid? To actually say, like, God, you can have everything in my life, but you can't have my beer. And God's like, watch this. Hold my water. God sent sermon after sermon my way about alcohol and about being sober and about um, being clear-minded and the things that he wanted for me. And I realized what a stumbling block it had been in my life. But I started reading the Word regularly, and all of a sudden I came to 1 Peter 5.8, which says, Be sober. Hmm. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Bottom line is we have an enemy that is not happy that you made the choice to follow Jesus Christ. He's not happy he lost you on his team. I was a big part of his team for all the things that I used to do. And by the way, if you're not following Jesus, you're actually on his team. Just make that clear. Okay, so bottom line is... You have an adversary that is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he wants you to be caught off guard. He wants you not to be sober. He doesn't want you to be watchful in every area of your life. So that that verse became my life verse, but only after I was truly obedient to what God said. I don't remember the exact day, but it was a year and a half into my new relationship with Jesus Oh yeah. And I'm not one of those that like the immediately when I went, Oh, I surrender all Lord. Okay. And, and except Jesus that I went home and everything went in the trash that day and everything's been kumbaya ever since. It hasn't been. Okay. Let me just get that out. So this is a year and a half into my walk and I went to the grocery store. I literally, you know, going down the aisle, loading the, loading the basket, doing the things I do, load the basket with the 18 pack just like I always do. Take it home. Literally went to put it in the fridge. And the second I put it in the fridge, God said, hasn't that caused your family enough trouble? And haven't I taken that from you? I heard the audible voice of God for the first time in my life. And it rocked me. It broke me. um, And I was like, I was immediately humbled and asked God to forgive me. Open the fridge. Took the beer out of the fridge. Walked around to the side of the house where we have a special um, trash can for dog poop. Can I say poop? I don't know if I could say poop in church, but I just did. So here we go. <laughs> bottom line is I put it in there because if I wanted it that bad, I would have to go get into crap. Now we're on crap. All right. Sorry. But bottom line is <clears throat> had to throw it in there because I would have to dig it out to get it back, right? And that's how God wanted me to to take care of it. And and there's something, here's a little side note. So it may not be this for you, it may be something else, but God's saying, hey, throw that into the trash can with the dog crap. Get rid of it. So then I continued with removing the rest of the alcohol from my home along with my ex-wife's wine that would prove um, really where... We were at as a couple at that time. So Jesus and the alcohol became a dividing point in our marriage. Um, and the party guy she once knew was no longer alive. I was a new creation in Christ, like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have what? Passed away. Behold, all things have become New. And here's the thing some of you already are already aware of in your walk with the Lord. And that is he will help you remove those things or even the people that were actually death in your life and will help you to make those choices that will bring forth life. And just like pruning a fruit tree, this should sound familiar, <clears throat> um, he takes away dead branches so that the tree is capable of bearing much more fruit. And God's interested in doing the same thing in you and me. The pruning isn't always fun, is it? But it's absolutely necessary if we want to grow in Christ. So Jesus speaking to his disciples in John 15:1 through2, said, "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit." So just like in, in my life, Jesus wants the same for each of us, to be willing to allow him to have his way in us, to cut away the dead things or the things that are holding you back from really growing in him and experiencing life as he wants for you. And there's a point when you walk out your new life and the Holy Spirit starts removing old things that need to go that our flesh, the devil, and the world around us will come against. So check out these verses in 1 Peter. 1 Peter 4, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation speaking evil of you. Man, when you make the choice to say, you know what, God, I surrender, this life is yours, I choose life, I choose your way, you watch how people will turn their back on you or the people that you once thought were friends or homies or whatever you want to call them. They will... Uh, They'll make fun of you. They'll laugh at you. They'll do all those things. Bottom line is, it's okay to let them go. The same folks that used to run with you will think you are nuts for choosing life. Even people in your own family sometimes. There's an old saying that is still applicable today. Misery loves company. I call them life suckers. And you will recognize them as the ones that will try to pull you away from Jesus. And here's just a little admonition for you. I highly suggest that you cut ties with those folks until you are far enough along in your walk with Christ. You need to allow Jesus to work in you first, then carefully seek the Lord on helping those folks out. And that's just some wisdom for you. So here's a question for you and me. Are we willing to allow him into those areas that we are still holding on to? If you knew that there would be spiritual fruit, life, blessing, growth in him, what are you willing what are you willing to allow him to prune away? So those are things that I hope even right now you're pondering. What are you willing to allow him to prune away? What are you holding on to that God's saying, "You know what? Open your hands. I see it in your hands. Just open your hands. Let me have it." So other things in my life that would follow after he took away alcohol, um, like the horrible habit of dropping the F word in every conversation. I'm telling you, I could use the F word as a noun, verb, and an adjective. It was like a gift. But bottom line is God has taken that away, and um, I pray that for all of you. I'm not saying anybody in particular, but I'm not. All right. And taking away um, pornography, so there's another one, which is crippling our society. Okay, so all, a lot of the things that are going on in our world with the, I mean, sexual deviant type stuff that's out there right now, it starts with pornography, and it starts with people opening themselves up to that. We have a really um, close friend of ours, close couple, um, that their marriage just has been destroyed because of pornography. So bottom um, line, side note, if I mean, that shouldn't even be in your wheelhouse. But if it is men or women, give it to God. Let him take that. So it wasn't like someone was saying to me, you got to stop all this. It was literally a God thing. OK, so as the Holy Spirit moves through your life as a believer in Jesus Christ and begins to clean house, get used to saying, yes, Lord. Okay, so there's things that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you guys even now. I'm not saying them. God's speaking it to you right now. And he's going, that's got to go. Get used to saying yes, Lord, instead of no, Lord. Because if he is Lord, which he is, then no isn't an option. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And he desires obedience and not sacrifice. So since that started with Jesus in Easter of 2000, I've been on this spiritual roller coaster. He brought me a godly woman, that lady right over there. Um, he's used me in children's ministry, in fact that's where we met. Uh, he's used me in missions, uh, we've been to different places around the world, uh, men's ministry as a, as a leader, home fellowships as a leader, as a deacon, and even as an ordained pastor. And you would have never told me back then that I would be up here doing what I'm doing right now. There's no way. In fact, I hate public speaking. It's like not my thing. But bottom line is, if God, is, if this is what you want for me, if this is what you want me to do, if you want me to get your message out, I'm here for you because I'm not doing it for me anymore. I'm doing it for him. He's used my life over and over again for his glory. Even today is an opportunity to be used to bring life because his gospel... Because of his gospel message, he has brought life where there is death, was death. And I can tell you that the journey is absolutely hard, but it would be impossible without Jesus making the way. And I wouldn't change a thing because I know he has worked it all out for good. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, are the called according to his purpose. So again, when Pastor Heath had asked me about sharing today, it was actually a few months back, and we were going through the one-year Bible, which if you're not doing, I would highly suggest that you do. Um, we go through it every year, and it continues to speak, brand new, every time we read it. But one of the books in the Bible is Deuteronomy, which is like one of my favorite books, just because it's so clear about um, what God has to say to his kids And before they're ready to uh, enter the promised land and, you know, trying to learn the lessons from their parents that basically blew it all through the wilderness, um, here's Moses speaking inspired by God, um, these words to his, his people, and hear the heart of your heavenly father speaking to you as he's spoken to me about choosing life or death. So in Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 11, he said, for this is... This commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and to possess. And here's the key verse here. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. So did you see that back in verse 19? He says, choose life. That is what God wants for you. That is what he wants for me. That is why he has written this love letter to us that we call the Bible. That is why he sent Jesus to be the life giver, our savior, and the greatest demonstration of love this world will ever know. In the very next book of the Bible, Joshua has very much the same message for the children of Israel after having much victory in the promised land. So now that they're in there, starting in uh, Joshua 24, verse 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Verse 15, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua tells them to make a choice, as did Moses, and really we see the same pattern all throughout Scripture. God is in the life-saving business, and he will not force himself upon you. He is looking for those that want to serve him, want to love him, and want to obey him. There's warnings with all these Scriptures, though, however. If you choose not to follow the Lord, then essentially you are choosing death. He is the very source of life, and if you reject him, then essentially you are rejecting life. Why would we reject life? C.S. Lewis, this is a great quote. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him, and with him, everything else thrown in. Bottom line is, God is willing to give us life now, life eternal. But so often, we're just looking, no, I'm going to have it my way. I want it my way, right? Joshua, Moses, all through the scriptures were warned hey, make a choice, but choose the Lord. So these verses that I'm about to share with you show that God has a plan even to deal with your sin. And if you will trust him with your life, there's eternal life waiting for you. So stick with me. We're just going to run through these. Proverbs 12, 28 says, In the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And sometimes we hear stuff like this and we go, oh, I've got plenty of time, or the Lord will always be there. This verse is saying, do business with the Lord now, don't put it off. Verse 7 of Isaiah 55 says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Acts 4.12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Bottom line is, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. Acts 17.30 says, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And again, we think, you know, like, oh, well, I've got plenty of time. Yeah, or I'm a good person. I wrongfully thought that way, too. But God says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about the worst thing that you've ever done. You probably don't have to think too far. Christ died for that. Even at our very worst, Christ died for that. And thank God that he did. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So this is a fallen world and dark times we're living in. All you have to do is turn on the news or turn on social media for a few minutes, and you will realize that. Some of you are still on that path. And Jesus is saying to you right now, choose life. How do you choose life? Choose Jesus. Worship team, you can come on up. John fourteen six says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you want life now and life eternal, it only comes through Jesus. There is no other way. But thank God he made the way. Will you choose life today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just I thank you for this opportunity, God. And more importantly, God, I, I thank you that, um, that you saved me, that you saved many that are here, Lord. And I pray for any that are here today, God, that are in a place where they're not sure where they're at with you. Um, They haven't made that choice. But, God, we know that you've made that choice for them. God, you're wooing them even now. God, you're speaking to them. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. I pray that they would not leave this place until they do business with you. And just the way that you captured my heart, Lord, so many years ago. And you got a hold of my life and helped me to make that choice. God, I help. I pray that you would help them make that choice even now for you. So, Lord, to you be the glory. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.